0: Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and while you're turning there, let me kind of tell you where we are and where we've been. For the last two weeks, we have been in a series called Back to Basics. Well, why Back to Basics, Pastor? Well, let's just be honest. We have a lot of head knowledge of Scripture, but not a lot of heart knowledge of Scripture. We have a lot of scriptures we've heard over the years, and we can quote them, but we really don't understand what they mean or what they bring to us as believers. And I believe that every word in the Bible has power, but I think sometimes we overlook the power because we're looking for a handout. I'm going to say this to you with love in my heart, that a lot of times we search scriptures looking for God to put something in our hand rather than God to build something in our hearts. And I would much rather God build something great in me rather than put something in my hand. Because if I've got something great in me, it will sustain me through the test of time. And I'm going to tell you this, that this word, this book, this book right here, is what's gotten me out of every situation in my life. Not my mama's opinion, not my grandparents' prayer. This word is what has changed me from the inside out. And it is time that we as church believers, as men and women of God, not as Christians, but as believers, would start declaring the word more than we declare opinions. Have you ever heard somebody jack up scripture? They start quoting certain things or, or they say something that's completely out of context. You're like, what, where did, well, I heard it when I was 12. Let, let, let me just say this to you. I, I, I don't know if y'all grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. Y'all remember flannel graphs? Y'all remember flannel graphs? You know, the little cotton-looking thing. They'd put the little characters on and move them around. And, well, that's how I got my Bible story when I was a kid. Let me help you something. Flannel graphs didn't save me. Flannel graphs were just a story. But it was the Word of God that changed me. What are you going to anchor yourself to in the middle of life? Because let me be honest with you for just a second, we anchor ourselves to people more than we anchor ourselves to the word. Somebody said to me years ago, 98% of your problems is a word problem. Because you don't have a word to go against or to come in and bring healing to the moments you walk through. And so what you do is you say a bunch of emotion. And so it's time that we get back to the basics of the word. Why do we do Wednesday nights? Because I need you to grow in the word. I need you to grow in the word more than the emotion, the lights, the preaching, the excitement, all this stuff. I need you to have the word because if all of this dies, what will you hold on to? I'm going to hold on to his word. So for the last two weeks, we've been just dealing with basic scriptures. So I got another one for you today. Are you ready? Y'all better talk to me. I know it's rainy and ugly outside, but we're excited in here. So so let's get on this train. Y'all ready? 2 Timothy chapter 1, say, I got it. If somebody who said I got it, you don't have it. Amen. Tell the truth. Don't lie in church. God sees you. Okay, amen. She said, I'm just waiting for you to put up on the screen, Pastor, then I'll get it. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's read, this, let's read this this morning. It says, For God, uh oh, has not, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Somebody say, Power. power. That was weak. Somebody say, Power. See, you're going to feel this by the time I'm done today. Someone say say power again. Mm, See, you notice it gets louder and louder every time you say it. You start to feel it now. You almost want to run outside and be like, woo, power. Walk, go to lunch today. What do you want? I want power. That freaked the waitress out. All right. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, if that could be a scripture for this moment and for this season of life, I don't know what better scripture than can break every shackle and deal with every struggle in this moment. When a world is so divided, when a world is so against itself, when people can't even agree to love each other, much less love God. What better scripture can we declare in this moment that God has not given us the spirit of fear? but of love, power, and of a sound mind. How many of you in this room ever deal with fear? Okay, I'm going to really hurt your feelings today. But my hopes is by the time we're done, fear will leave your vocabulary. Because if I adhere to this scripture, then if I subject myself, fall in the trap of fear, then I cannot love cannot walk in power, cannot have a sound mind. Okay, you ready to break this down this morning? Good. Let's start in the very beginning because there's, there's, there's fruit in this word that you kind of overlook sometimes because you just want the love power and a sound mind. <laughs> I just want to get away from fear. Well, let me start in the very beginning. It says, for God has not given. Can I just give you a, just a really quick point? Can you please stop praying for God to take away things he never gave you? For God has not given. We spend our lives begging God to take things from us that we took on ourselves that he never put in our path that we veered off and picked up and put back in us. Now, I'm not saying that we don't go through circumstances and situations that deal us bad hands that we have to come out of. But what I am saying is, is if you adhere to, if you become a part of, if you take on the title of fearful, then you have now stepped outside of the pathway of God and now walk in something that God has not given you. Why is it that we beg God to take away things that we willfully picked up? God... Has not given. And I can deal with this in all kinds of places. But let's just deal with this one. Why is it that we spend our lives asking God to fix what he didn't break? Can, can I just kind of say this as a, as a sidebar? I told you I'm going offend some people today, but I love you. Amen. Sometimes the crack in your vessel was put there because you put yourself in a position to be cracked. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'll tell you I'm guilty of this. Okay, okay, okay. let me, let me, let me use this as a sidebar. Okay, I, I'll, I'll go back to Brian's history. I, instead of me, you feeling like you're on the chopping block, I'll put me on the chopping block. I, I grew up in an abusive home. I grew up in an alcoholic home. I grew up in an angry home. Not with my mom, but with my dad. Okay, and he knows this, and so if he ever sees this, he can't sit there and go, it was never me. No, he knows he did it. All of his siblings, all of his kids know he did it. All my siblings know he did it. Okay, this is how we grew up. And so I, I, I remember there were times in my life, I remember nine years old, I was so angry, I punched a brick wall and fractured two knuckles. And, and, and people were like, what, stupid? But I was angry. But I was copying what I had seen. Hmm. <laughs> So I got older, and, and I started to have, I got married, and I, and, and I, and I had kids. And, and I will never forget, Judah was like two. And, and I remember he did something, and he was two. And, and he did something wrong, and he was two. And I remember looking at him, and, I, and he doesn't even remember this. But I, but I looked at him, and I went, ah, and I gritted my teeth. And one moment, I realized I was duplicating behavior that I had picked up, not something that was birthed in me. And I had allowed circumstances of my own growth to determine how I reacted to the next season, the next the next legacy of my life. And I had a decision. Will I allow this crack in my vessel to keep me or will I allow God to heal it because I'm going to give it away and so that I can be better to my children. See, what I'm trying to say to you is I could have looked at him and said, son, I'm sorry I'm that way. You don't know about my dad. You don't know what he did to me. But I cannot use the excuse of, poo-poo poor behavior. I was editing there just in case you were wondering. (laughs) I can't use the excuse, well, you don't know what I've been through. God saved you from what you've been through. So why do you keep communicating where you've been? And the only reason you talk about where you've been is because you refuse to go forward. I could look at you and go, I'm this way because of this, and I'm this way because of this, and I'm this way because of this. And none of those things did God give me, so why am I talking about them? And people have a problem with this conversation because everybody wants to believe, well, you don't know my story, but God does. And when I read that book, it does not talk about where you've been. It talks about where you're going. Please grab a hold of the future and the promise, not the pain of your past because nobody likes a pity party. I'm sorry, and I know this is uncomfortable, but I gotta say this because I am tired of the church declaring things that God never gave them. You just don't know. You're right, I don't. And I'm sorry you've been through it, but God is big enough to deliver you from it. Grab a hold of your deliverer and walk out of your valley of despair. And march towards the mountaintop so you can stand on top, not to be seen, but to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living, in your life, and in your family's life. You were not meant to live in the valley, baby. You were only meant to walk through it. But the difference between walking through it and staying it is whether or not you choose to build a home and call it home in it. God is not given. Could you imagine if we talked about more about what God's given us rather than what we don't have? Come on, think about the things we talk about sometimes. Your mouth is the biggest space to determine where your faith is at. (laughs) Out of the bunch of the heart, the mouth speaks, and when you speak, you create. Let me prove it to you. They keep finding out things in the cosmos. Why? Because when God spoke something into nothing, it just keeps going. His word never stops. So when you speak something, you actually let give us a pure sign of exactly where you are as a person. Could you imagine if you started just telling people what God's done in your life rather than what God hasn't done yet in your life? Well, you know, I just, you know, I'm one day God's going to do it. But what has God done? Come on, what has God done in your life? And, and have you told anybody lately? Have you, have you talked about the goodness of God yet? Listen, we will get over what we don't have when we start talking about what we do have. Get over it. God has not given you what? Oh, no, I can't even get to the what yet because he puts a word in there after given. And he says this word, and most of us look over it because we, we want to make it personal. But he says, for God has not given who? Why us, not me? Me and I is a trick of the enemy. Us is a place that God dwells. Oh, I'm going to mess with you right here. For God has not given us. If you read your Bible, God loves to put us together. He does not like to separate to the me's and I's. He likes to bring the family, the house of God together. So God says, for God, the word says, for God has not given Us. Us. In other words, if you're battling things, I can almost give you full-fledged understanding in this moment that the reason you go through stuff is because you spend more time alone than you do within us. The Bible says there's power in numbers. Where any two are gathered, anything in my name, it shall be done. One can put a 1,000. Two can put 10,000. I can do this all day. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. If you think numbers aren't important to God, I don't know what you think. But at some point, we've got to realize that God did not call us to sit in the depths of our own existence by ourselves, but called us to be in us. So if fear comes in and starts getting me, I can almost guarantee it's because I spend my my time alone rather than within us. Watch, for God has not given us us what? What has He not given us? The spirit of fear. This is not a a sacred fear or or, a scared fear, but rather a timidity or a cowardly attitude. See, so many times when we read this scripture, we go, Well, God's not giving me the spirit to be afraid. No, He says, I'm not giving you the spirit to be a chicken. He's not giving you the spirit to be a coward and run away. How can you confront things? How can you conquer what you're not willing to confront? We spend most of our lives running from things that are chasing us, hoping that one day they'll stop chasing us. And God says, can you just turn around and trust me? Can, can you just turn around and face what's been running at the back of you? Because you'll realize that the, what you're running from is created in your own mind. It's not created in him. And so you're spending your life running and running and running and worn out and worn out and worn out. And if you just turn around and face it, you'd realize that it's all the enemy is afraid of is you actually realizing how much authority you might have. For God has not given us what? Spirit of fear. Which kind of goes into my message last week when I talked about that we're more than conquerors. We're we're more than just battle-ridden people who are hoping and believing that one day we might have a victory. He says we're more than victorious. We're more than conquerors. In other words, you're bigger than the fight that you're in. But he says, I've not given you the spirit of cowardice or timidity. Why is it that the church is afraid of the devil? I'm still trying to figure this one out. Oh, y'all getting quiet on me. Let me take a swig of water real quick. Why are we afraid of the devil? I'm still trying to figure this out. Why? Is it because we've given him more authority than we've given God? Because we have a tendency to talk a lot more about the devil's regime and his problematic spaces in our existence than the God that already defeated him. Yeah. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, where did he go? He went to, he went to hell, put Satan in the lock and key, locked him up and left him there. Do you understand this? People go, but yeah, but the devil's going to... Yes, he is. You want to know why? Because there are still people that don't want him locked up. They want him free in their own lives. That's right. Can I just say this to you? Because we have a, an issue in us that has to have a bad guy in order to have a savior. Hmm. hmm. Every superhero has to have a bad guy, right? If you don't have a bad guy, who are you going to blame your stuff on? If you don't have a bad guy, who are you going to blame your inadequacies on? Who are you going to blame your uh, inability to be accountable on? Who are you going to blame your lack of committal on? Who are you going to blame your lack of consistency on? Well, it was the devil that caused me not to wake up this morning. No, you hit the stupid snooze button, and you chose to lay in bed. I'm, I know this gets tight. I gets tight. I've been preaching since yesterday, so y'all stuck. I'm sorry. But I'm trying to break you free. Could you imagine a church that did not talk about the devil? You know what that'd be? That'd be called the real church. You to know why? Because we got over the bad guy. And we found out that when Christ came in, we were saved. And he saved us from the depths of Hell. Therefore, when, when, look, when, when troubles come my way, somebody, Pastor, it was a rough week. Great. Wonderful. Praise God for it. Yes. But, Pastor, you don't understand it was a rough week. <laughs> Praise God for it. Yes. But, but, Pastor, you don't understand it was a rough week, and the devil was <laughs> The Bible declares, and it's not even in my words, but let me say this to you real quick. The Bible declares that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities of darkness and spiritual wickedness in. Have you ever read that scripture? Really? I thought about preaching that one this morning, but decided not to do it. But now it's in the middle of my notes. Spiritual wickedness in what? How does spiritual wickedness get in heavenly places? Because we worship it there. We have a tendency to exalt things more than we exalt the name of God. So what we do is we talk about struggle way more than we talk about a savior. (laughs) <laughs> we, we, that's worship, baby. You want to find out what you worship? Watch what comes out your mouth. <laughs> the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the more I sit here and complain to you about whatever problems I'm going through, I have made the problem my God rather than God my God. I was, and I've said this before, but I want to say it again. I was, I was reading something one day about, um, I want to say it's Orthodox Jews. And these, these are people that are very strong in their Jewish culture. And they said, they said, you know what, we have a problem with the local church today because when something doesn't go right, they blame the devil. When something doesn't go right in our world, we just understand that God is letting us go through this so he can do something greater in us. Ooh. Could you imagine the next time you get a bad report of things don't look good, you just break out into worship? The world would be confound, but your God might be glorified. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Oh, Lord, am I trying right now. I get it. This is hard to swallow because we have been conditioned to need a bad guy. Culture has conditioned us to need an evil, an evil emissary, an emissary on the backside trying to kill us. Oh, but you don't understand. But if I read Scripture, it says that you are not downtrodden, you are not dismayed, you are not perplexed, you are not wounded on every side. Uh, I'm trying to hold on to the word more. I'm holding on to opinions. I I don't even look at the news and stress out. I don't look at culture and stress out. I don't look at reports and stress out. I just know that God is good all the time. Pastor, that is naive. You can't look at the world and say God is good. And you can't look at the world and say God is bad. Because if you can look at the world and say God is bad, then you have eliminated the creator of the heavens and the earth. He said, God has not given us the spirit of cowardice, of timidity. He's given us a boldness. That, that. Last week we declared that we're more than conquerors. And look what Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says. It says, the spirit of the Lord is what? It's upon me. Oh, it's on them. No, it's on me. Somebody say me. 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 No, I was 12 of y'all. Say me. me. Y'all know this is interactive Sundays. Y'all know how I play. <laughs> Make all y'all stand in your chairs in a minute keep playing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon who? Me. Can we act like it? Because He's what? I don't care what you think about yourself, that word says right there, He's anointed you. I don't care what you think I look like, but I know what He looks at when He sees me. I don't care what you think I'm good at, but I know what He thinks about me. Because He's anointed me to do what? To stand in spotlights and look good on Sunday mornings? Uh-uh. To preach what? Uh-oh. So would it be fair to say that the spirit of the Lord can't manifest itself in you until you step outside of your fear? And start to preach the gospel. Go on. He says, preach the gospel to the poor. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Give me the next one. He has sent me to what? Oh, Jesus. So he gave me. Wait, wait, go back. Go back one screen. Go back one screen. I, I, gotta, I gotta make sure we don't miss this. He's anointed me to what? Preach. Just stay right there to do what? Preach. To open my mouth. Yes. Right. Okay? Go to the next one. He's sent me. He's moved you. He's walked you through whatever you've been through. That's what sending is. He has sent me to do what? Yes. So he's. Anointed me to preach. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And here it goes right here. Ready? And to do what? Proclaim, Proclaim what? Liberty. Stop right there. Stop it right there. Stop it. <laughs> Proclaim what? Liberty. Not your problems. Yeah. <laughs> this, the title, you ever in you know, your Bibles? They, they have those little, the little titles above sections. If this one was read in my Bible, it would just say shut up. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Be quiet. Why? Because he is dealing with the power of what's in us and what we deal out of us a lot of times. He has anointed me to preach. He has sent me to heal. He has caused me to proclaim what? To who? How can I proclaim liberty to the captives if I'm still bound to fear? God has not given us the spirit. Understand that fear is a spirit. It is not a physical manifestation. It is a spirit. It is under the authority of God. God, You're working with me right now. You're working with me. I'm getting deep all of a sudden. God has not given us, bring us together, stop living isolated on islands all by yourselves, complaining and having your pity parties. Come and join the us. God has not given us the spirit of fear, the spirit of cowardice, the spirit of timidity, but understand that he has... Anointed you to preach the gospel. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. It goes even further. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, let me help you with something. He's anointed me to preach and proclaim are two different things. Did you know that? I might run in a minute. Preaching declares what has been. Proclaiming declares where we're headed. A proclamation from a king told the people where we were going. It did not discuss where we've been. Preaching the gospel says this is what God's done for you. And once you get in your spirit what God's done for you, you now have this overwhelming boldness to step out even further and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what it says here. The acceptable. What's it mean? His return. When you are bound to fear, you cannot see the future. When fear is a part of your existence, you cannot see the promises that God has for you because you are bound to the spirit of fear rather than the spirit of God. You cannot be bound to fear and bound to God at the same time. The Bible says that's unstableness. You are a man who is unstable in all of his ways. Why? Because you can't mix darkness where there is light and call it holy. I'm going to get a little little messy with you all for a second. I don't understand why people like to be scared. I just don't get it. I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to look at anybody's faces because some of y'all I've had conversations with. And I'm not trying to start a war on a Sunday morning. But I just want to be honest with you because I need you to understand this. Do not be upset with God because you cannot walk down a dark hallway at night. If you will entertain your eyeballs with things that are unholy. If every light is on your house while you're all by yourself probably some fear creeping around a little bit. How'd it get there. Because at some point of our existence, we entertained it. Because if God was the focal point, it would have been eradicated. Because God does not give that spirit. I need you to understand that God never intended for you to be afraid. I remember I, I, we were kids, and and, and, and we, we went through, like, what every kid did. We'll see how far we can test it. We grew up in the church, and so, so of course, we're like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. It's like a homeschooler who goes to public school for the first time. If you've ever been homeschooled, Pastor Ben. Amen. Um, I'm just being honest. Not everybody does that, but I mean, I've talked to people that went to private school, homeschool, and then they went to public school, and they're like, whoa, what is this? Okay. And so, and so, and so. Uh, it, we, we decided that at a young age that we were going to test the waters of scary flicks. Anybody done this yet? Oh, Jesus. One well, was the hitchhiker. Oh, give me a ride, lady. Ah! Okay. Yeah, it was like, if you watch what's on TV today versus what was on TV when I was a kid, you yeah, had two completely different worlds because now we're dabbling in the realm of Satan. Like, like before it was just let me scare you. Now it's like, oh, that's witchcraft, bro. Like, I don't know if you realize that, but like when pentagrams show up on the screen, that, that's not because they're just putting stuff out there. Somebody was in a demented state to write that foolishness. We're like, oh, I just like to be scared. It's like, ah! Why is it that we... The only reason that we embrace fear is because we enjoy living in fear. I'm going to try to help you. The only reason we embrace fear is because we haven't let God conquer fear. Because the more you watch that stuff, the more you become a coward. Because what it does, it starts to turn you from the inside out. And it creates a space in you to run rather than to walk towards. Oh, no, I can't do that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Rather than no, I'm gonna come right at you because I know what's on the inside of me. He said, God has not given me the spirit of fear, of cowardice, of timidity. Watch, watch what he goes on and says here, because I love this. He says, but but I've given you something. I've given you something. And I love how Jesus, how how the word writes itself out. He always tells you what he didn't give you before he tells you what he did give you. Because most of us live in what he didn't give us before we live in what he did give us. You lived in sin and then we're saved. Come on, work with me for a second. I'm trying to help you. We usually live where he isn't before we live where he is. And so he says, I didn't come to give you this spirit. I didn't come to put this spirit on you. He said, but I did do this. I did come to give you the spirit of power. Somebody say power. power. Oh, I'm going to work with you one more time. Say power. power. I remember one time we heard this and we were sitting in a youth conference in the and the pastor said, say power. And one of the kids was like power. Scared the mess out of me when he did it. <laughs> but I was like, he got it. Because when you put God and power in the same box... He said, I did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power. And I love that he starts with power because in him is authority. Not authority to look impressive, but a spirit of boldness comes upon you. A boldness in your faith, a boldness in your walk, a boldness to pray for others, knowing that God dwells on the inside of you. Can I just say this? Fear keeps you from setting the captives free. But once you step out of fear and into boldness, you won't ignore people that need prayer. You'll take every moment you can. You'll walk into every section you can. You will say yes because God's given you opportunities to do something great. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Salvations have lacked off in the church. Let me tell you why. Because we're more fearful than we are bold. We're not walking in the power anymore. Come on, work with me for a second. You serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, whatever happened in the Bible in Genesis all the way through Revelations can happen in the earth today. Truth? Truth. He says I changed not but why do we not see them? Because we're afraid. You start talking about speaking in tongues. Oh, I got to leave the church. Oh God. Oh God. They're one of those. They're one of those. Did you read the book of Acts? Did you read it? Did, did it just happen for one moment? When Jesus died, he said the veil was torn into and now this same spirit is now available to all. What are we, what are we nitpicking things? Because we're afraid of it. And don't you understand that the enemy goes, if I could just get them to be afraid of the fullness of God, man, I can ruin them for the rest of their lives. But if we would just flip that around and go, Satan, I'm so tired of you lying to me. I want everything God has for me. Could you imagine what power we might walk in? You don't need a church service to get your power. You just need to say yes to God and let him use you. Because he's given you authority. He's given you boldness to walk. Look, Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says it this way. Behold, I give you the authority. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, here it comes. You're going to stop talking about the devil starting right now. Here it goes. I've given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. This is not a snake handling scripture. Look at the Lord. He gave me the ability to grab snakes. No, don't be dumb. (laughs) He's referring to the devil. Behold, I have given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm I'm done. I'm going home now. Did you read what I just wrote? Put that back up there. Go back to the beginning of it. Behold, I give you what. Somebody say authority. Authority. Ooh, Satan's in trouble today. (laughs) To trample on who? The devil. Say it. the The devil. Ah. Oh no, the devil. I've given you authority to trample on the devil. I'm paraphrasing. Go to the next page. And over what? Wow. No, you missed it. All. Oh. Oh. The power of the enemy. Come on. And nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Shall by any means hurt you. Why, why, am I getting this better than you getting it right now? I don't know what I'm getting on the inside of me. Ah. Oh people, how are you? I'm um, I'm I'm doing good past the enemy's just what? What what what's it, shh, shh, don't don't even say it. Just don't even breathe it. God's good and the enemy's attacking? No, 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 no. The enemy wants you to think he's attacking. What if I told you The full onslaught of the enemy, you can't handle. What you think is the enemy is actually a far distance away from you because God says, I'll raise up a standard against what comes against you. See, so many times we want to adhere to the pain of a problem rather than the promise of a Savior. And we miss the fact that God didn't come for you to be in pain. He came to deliver you. And then once he delivered you, what did he say? He said, now you're going to go deliver others. Now you're going to go set captives free. He says, he says, but I've given you a spirit of power, of authority. Authority. Authority to trample on the enemy. Authority to deal with what's in front of you. Authority to conquer. Not just confront, but to conquer what's in front of you. Authority to not die in this thing, but to win in this thing. He's given you authority. And then he goes on, he says, but then I've also given you love. Why, why would he go authority? then? Why would not he go love first? Because here's the problem. Power without love is nothing more than a dictatorship. Power and love operate hand in hand. You cannot ask for power and refuse to walk in love. Authority comes when love is a coupled with it. If you only operate in authority and no love, then you do nothing with the heart of God. He said, I've given you power and love, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 says this, watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong, let all you do be done with what? Love. Amen. I get it, you got those moments, you, you want to you tell the devil off? Okay, walk in your authority. But don't use your authority on other believers, that's just stupidity. How can you not, you, listen, the greatest thing that will give you authority is how much love dwells on the inside of you. Because you will learn how to approach situations with authority through love. Yeah. Let all you do be done with love. But what kind of love? Well, it, that comes out of that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8 scripture. But I'm just going to paraphrase, it says it's, it's love that suffers long and is kind, love that doesn't envy, love that doesn't parade itself, it's not puffed up. Love that does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil. Love that does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. A love that never fails. Not a love that quits when it's comfortable, but a love that stays steadfast and never wavers. A love that loves enemies as much as it loves its friends. A love that will stand in the gap no matter what, not just when it's convenient. How can I walk in authority if I refuse to walk in love? He said, I've given you the spirit of power and of love. He doesn't say, I've given you the spirit of power, and if you want it, I've also given you love. He says, and of. So in other words, it's a continuing sentence. It doesn't break. There's not even a comma in scripture there. There is no pause break in there. It continually flows because power flows into love. Watch. It goes on, it says, it says, not only have I given you a spirit of, well, let me give you this one real quick. Because I, I think this, this kind of draws it home. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And I, I always am drawn to that verse 8 where it says, he who does not love does not know God. Right. Yeah. Just because you come to church, sit in your seat, and Sunday attendance doesn't mean you know God. <laughs> because it says, he who does not love God, love does not know God. I want to know God. Therefore, the more I get to know God, the more I love God, the more it's easier to love people. Ah, and that's why we, that's, that's the mission of this house, this love factor. So, so power is only allowed to move if love exists with it. He says, so I've given you the spirit of power, authority, lack of cowardice and timidity, boldness. And of love, the ability to love, the ability to be love, the ability to demonstrate love, the ability to walk in the things of God. And he says, and of a what? Sound mind. mind. Perhaps that means peace. Well, not really. If you read that in its translation, it actually means self-discipline. People with power without self-discipline. So I've given you power. I've given you love, but none of these work without self-discipline. See, we all want power. Come on, work with me for a second. This is what we've been created to want. We want power in our wealth. We want power in our families. We want power in our jobs. We want power, power, power. Because because we, we think that power is the end-all. Uh-uh. The end-all is the self-discipline. Power and love are a byproduct of self-discipline. I love how God writes scripture because when he writes scripture, he always gives the hardest one at the last. Because self-discipline is where we struggle the hardest. And then we try to operate in power and love, but when without self-discipline, none of those things work. He says, listen, without self-discipline, there is no love. There is no power. You can't have them. You can have a fake version of them, but you can't have the real version of them. He said, A sound mine. A self-discipline. The ability to recall the goodness of God in the land of the living. I love what it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. And I know you're reading this. Well, he said you didn't say it was peace. No, 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 Peace, sound mind, peace, self-discipline, because peace will cause you not to get angry. That's self-discipline. It, it, there's so many times that we look at this and we go, God, how do I do this? Self-discipline. But I want to walk better in love. Are you disciplined yet? Have you let me correct you yet? Hello. Have you let me bring correction? No, God, I don't want to hear all that. I just want to be in love and have power. You can't have any of those until you let me bring correction to you. And it doesn't mean he's standing over heaven going, dummy. It means sometimes he comes and he goes, hey, Brian, come here. Come here. Come here. Judah, come here for a second. I'm going to play this moment for a second. Do I get mad at him? Go like this. Yes, I'm I'm human. Do I get mad at you sometimes? Yes. Hey, wait, don't make it seem so bad, man. Hey, sorry. Man. Come here. I'm sorry. Come here. Come here. Lord touch him, Father. Okay. But truth be told, is that even in my frustration with him, do we always talk it out? Do you ever walk away feeling unloved? Do you ever question, my love? You might sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> Amen. Okay. No, <laughs> because sometimes I'm tough on him. But my toughness, okay, can I tell him what happened the other night at game night? Oh, when you yeah. get frustrated? Okay, do you mind? Is it okay? Okay. So I have to ask because I don't want to hear it when I get home. Dad, why did you tell him that, man? <laughs> okay. So, so we, were playing a, we were playing a board game on Valentine's night with all the kids. And, and Jude's competitive. This is competitive. That's what he is. He's a competitive kid. Him and my five-year-old, whoo, amen. They're like, they, they came out of that same side, amen, okay. And so, uh, we joke about this all the time. And so, he, he'd get frustrated, and we'd get frustrated, ah, and, and he'd smack his hands on the table. And I was getting mad about it, wasn't I? I was like, dude, I've had enough. There's enough of that. And the problem was, is I was responding to him, but I wasn't giving him my reason. I wasn't explaining to him why it was bothering me. I just was telling him, stop it. That's enough. If you don't stop, you're going to your room. I've had enough. Okay, I don't judge me. You got a lot of fans right now. They're all like, get the pastor. Okay. So we finished. We finally everything cooled down. He goes to his room, and I found myself standing in the hallway, and I was like, I gotta go talk to him. So I walked in and I said, Okay, I need to explain to you why this bothers me. When I was growing up, my dad, when he was angry, hit things, slammed things, threw things. And when you do this, it brings up something in me that I don't want for you. And I said, if I did that, how would you feel? He goes, oh, no. I said, could you imagine if I got mad, and slammed my hands on the table. And he's like, no. I said, I'm not just doing this. I'm not communicating this to you just for you. But I don't want your kids to ever feel that. So let me impart this to you so you don't carry that same spirit. Okay. So in my life, I have to be willing to be corrected so that I might bring correction in love rather than correction in frustration. At the table, I was correcting in what? Frustration. As the night progressed and as I found Judah off in his room, God started to tenderize this guy. So that I might be able to walk in love, therefore overcoming with authority that which might try to turn him upside down as he grows older. I am now battling a spirit of anger that the enemy would like to put on him, and I am taking it with authority. But it all started with me being self-disciplined and corrected so that I could walk in love, so that I could bring authority. Therefore, the spirit of fear will never dwell in him, and he and I can walk in wholeness. See where I'm going with this? How do I battle fear? Let God correct you. Let him bring correction. Correction is good. Sometimes it hurts. Amen. Sometimes God brings the big belt. Amen. I don't know about you, but God doesn't go, Brian, I really don't want to do this. No, I just hear the, how. Oh, there it went. I get that sometimes. And, and sometimes God lovingly corrects, and sometimes God's like, ha, 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 that's enough of that foolishness. And, 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 and. You've got to be willing to allow him to do it. Let me help you something. If you won't let God correct you, you don't trust him. But understand that every time God corrects you, he will not just correct you and leave you to figure it out. He will always bring explanation as to why the correction existed. Why? Because he has a desire for you to walk in the fullness of him. You might walk in the authority of him. Therefore, you will not battle these spirits in the earth that want to take you. And now all of a sudden you are walking in the wholeness of God. How do I break fear? Correction, love, and then authority. It works up and it works down. But you have to be willing to start on the bottom level. Go sit down. I know you feel weird. Go ahead. We have got to get better. At allowing God to correct us. How many of y'all like correction? That's what I thought. I get it. We don't like it. But I believe that godly correction is holy. I believe that godly correction will sustain you. I believe that godly correction will keep you. Can I just be honest with you? What I'm preaching right now is not popular. Because nobody wants to hear about this. They just want to hear about, I'm going to break fear and I'm I'm um, going to get everything I want, and God's going to give it to me. Uh-uh. Everything you want from God will require you to show up with God. God doesn't just give you stuff just because you show up in the room. God gives you stuff when you show yourself. Yes. And you allow him in to take residence in you. Yeah. Come on, Pastor. How many of you want to break fear? Good. Now, some of y'all ain't raising your hand right now. Pastor, I don't have fear no more. <laughs> you can't break fear just by my preaching. Watch this. This is going to be a little bit different of an altar call. Ready? And I need you to be really raw in this moment. Do not be full grown. Do not act like you've got it all together. I don't care if you've been to church your entire life. I don't care. I was raised in the church and I still battled this stuff. You stand in this room and you say, Pastor, I got fear. And I don't want to have it anymore. I want to be. I want. I want it to go. I want it to go. If you're ready to divorce fear, stand up. If you don't battle fear, stay seated. But if you say, "Pastor, I need fear to go," one of the toughest decisions you're probably ever going to make right now. Fear keeps you from the altar. Fear keeps you from a healthy marriage. Fear keeps you from relationship. Fear keeps you isolated and abandoned. And the truth be told is that you might not be, you, you might not fear in certain areas. And you go, well, I don't see this as fear. But if anything in you has a desire to run the opposite direction from things that are approaching you, that's fear. I talked about it. He's given you the spirit of boldness. And you can't have fear. So you stood to your feet and said, Pastor, I I need fear to break. Okay, good. Take your hand, put it over your mouth. Might as well start at the root of your fear. Because the root of your fear is not in what's around you. The root of your fear is what you speak out of that mouth of yours. So Father, for every hand that's on every mouth in this moment, I bind those words that would speak something alternate to the promises that you have for their lives. Let every word from their mouth Bring edification, bring strength, bring encouragement. Let every word that does not exalt God be removed now. Let them not speak out of fear, but let them speak out of faith. Let their mouthpiece be, become their life piece. For out of the issues of life, flow of living waters. I declare in the name of Jesus right now that every mouth be cleansed, that every lip be touched by the coals of heaven. Let every word that proceeds from our mouth bring strength. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, touch our mouths right now. I declare that every moment that they want to speak something that's different. Father, I pray immediate self-discipline. Not condemnation, but correction. Nope, that is the old me. That is not the new me. I am binding and breaking that spirit of fear. I loose this now in the name of Jesus. God, in the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit. Good. You got your mouth covered now. Take your hands from your mouth to your eyes. The Bible says that you have an ear gate, a mouth gate, and an eye gate, and whatever you allow in becomes life in you. Why is it that you ask Christ into your heart? It's because you have to let him come in. Father, for every eye that is covered right now, Father, I pray that what they choose to look at will only bring glory to you. I bind addictions. I bind uh, sinful thoughts. Father, I even ask right now that you would cause us to see how you see, not how we see. Father, cause us to see our spouses, our children, the way you see them, not the way we see them. We might see them jacked up sometimes, but God, you see them as whole and complete. God, help us to see better. Therefore, breaking the spirit of fear. I will not look where I was. I will look to where you're calling. I will not reminisce on the days of old. I will account to them, but I will not live in them. I will walk in the forwardness of what you've called me to. I will lift up my eyes, O ye gates, and see who this King of glory is, the Lord God, strong and mighty. Help us to see even when our eyes deceive us. Look at me. You can do all of this, but none of this matters until you walk out that door. None of it. It's a good prayer, it's a good moment. I went to church to put my eyes on my hands and my mouth. That was cool. But let me help you with something. You're going to get in that parking lot because I know how it works, and every thought's going to flood you. I double dog, triple dog, quadruple dog dare you to just stand in that moment, stand still and go, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, of love, and of a sound mind, and then take that next step, because here's what will happen, you'll take a step and it will hit you, say it again, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power love and of a sound mind, take another step. You'll find out within a matter of time you'll be running rather than just walking. And you won't have to say it every time you take a step. You'll start living in it. I declare in this moment over this word that the spirit of fear is being broken in this place and in your lives and that you will not live in fear another day, but you will live in the faithfulness of the God that you serve. I declare whatever's been behind you is now dead but whoever's in front of you will become life to you. Can you do me a fair way of saying just lift both hands as high as it will go? I feel like i got to speak this over you. I, there's a difference between preaching and proclaiming, and now I want to proclaim. See, he gave me, pre, he gave me the, 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 the anointing to preach the gospel. I've done that. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I believe he's doing that. I'm holding on to that end of that scripture. He's given me the liberty to set the captives free. Say this. Say, I will not not be bound bound to fear fear anymore. anymore. I I am am free. free. Hold on. Because you're going to feel it in a second. You're already starting to feel it. I feel it. Say it again. Say, I I am am free. get it. Free people don't wonder when it's going to happen, it is happening. Say it again, say, I am free.